Let's get the proceedings proceeding, man. <laughs> mic check, mic check. Do they hear us now? Good. <laughs> Come on, Nation. What up? What up? What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 233. You heard that, right? Episode 233 of Combo's Court. And I am Combo. Don't forget to rate review and punch down on that subscribe button pause this episode get all that done for me take care of that it helps the show tremendously also tell a friend to tell a friend about the show um yeah and then get right back to the show because we have a great one for you seth part now of the athletic former director of basketball research for the milwaukee bucks returns to combos court a great conversation we discussed the new look brooklyn nets will it work Will it work? We discussed that. Jeremy Grant's new role. We talk about that as well. Just a fantastic conversation. Follow Seth on Twitter at SethPartNow. That's S-E-T-H-P-A-R-T-N-O-W. You know you can find me on Instagram at 12combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. now of The Athletic, former director of basketball research for the Milwaukee Bucks. Welcome back to Combos Court. How are you feeling, Seth? I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for having me back. Oh, man, you're always welcome. You're always welcome, man. Uh, I heard your, you know, your talk with Ben Falk uh, on your podcast. And, you know, he was mentioning goals, you know, goals of franchises. And do you feel that there's like a lot of franchises out there that their goal really isn't winning a championship? I mean, we look at the Wizards and they just seem like they don't want to go into full rebuild mode. And there seems like there's a lot of other teams like that as well. I would think they don't want to win a championship isn't quite right. But there are definitely teams that prioritize that, like that or busts. And there are some that, you know, uh, they would like to win a championship very badly, but they would also like to make the playoffs very badly. So it's more a question of kind of emphasis than of, you know, of, not caring about a championship, but just there's, if, you know, finishing fourth in the conference is the same as finishing 14th, you do things differently than, than if, uh, you know, finishing seventh isn't like great, but it's better than ninth. Yeah. I just, it, that they're an interesting team was because I mean, even if Beal goes Westbrook could really could still carry them to like the playoffs or not the bottom of the heap, you know? Yeah. It's the, the that's, that's a, not sure how that deal is going to work out for them. I think that that Houston probably got the better end of that of that swap, especially as 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 good as Wall has looked so far this year. Yeah, yeah, most definitely, most definitely. All right, so Seth, I mean, it's been an interesting season. Of course, we got the back to backs. There's either no fans or there's limited fans in some arenas. Um, how much of a challenge has it been for you when you're looking at numbers? And also, I mean, we've seen a lot of blowouts. So, how has this been for you, like looking at the numbers and just looking at the games in general? I think there's a really good chance that about three years from now, when I'm, I'm looking at players and like putting together, okay, his last couple seasons of data or, or, or his career or something like that. There's a really good chance that, that like anything from between March of last year and the start of next season, I'm just going to kind of ignore. Wow. Um, it's, it's, it's not that these things aren't happening. 
it's that they're happening in an environment that's just just enough difference that it's hard to really tell what they mean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Seth, you're in a position to ignore. So when there's a decision maker, let's say I look at a Gary Trent Jr., right? We've seen him right. really peak when there hasn't been fans in the bubble. Do we move off our priors with him when we're looking to give him a contract? I think he's he's probably one of the easier ones because, I mean, our our – our prior coming in was he was, he was going to shoot the hell out of it, maybe not have a ton off the dribble. Um, the defense has been a little bit of a surprise, but that was kind of kind of be a swing skill for him. Um, he didn't shoot it super well as a rookie, but then, you know, starting last year, especially in the bubble, he did. Um, so that's that kind of fits a normal timeline of a guy kind of getting comfortable with the NBA game. So maybe we believe that a little bit more, whereas – what do we make of, I don't know, Jeremy Grant, you know, both yeah. in the bubble and, you know, he's playing a much bigger role for a pretty bad team and doing okay at it. Um, what, do, what do we make of that? I, it, it, you know, it's, it's, if I'm a, you know, if I, if I'm a, a contender, cause he, his skill set is certainly someone that uh, w- would fit a number of contenders, but he's, he's maybe even, played him his way out of that role almost. Um, and I, I don't know, would you, if you were another team, what, what do you think of him as now? Um, yeah. How many years does he have on his contract? I mean, he, he basically just he's, signed, he's right? Got two after this year. He's got okay, two okay. after this year. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, before, before the season, my favorite like fake trade was, was going to be, and this was like before Dinwiddie got hurt, was going to be Karis Levert for, and you know, hopefully he's, he, he, everything works out well for him. He's a player I've really enjoyed, but more importantly, yeah. like that's, that's just, that's scary situation. And and hopefully it, it, it all goes well for, for him from, from there, from just a medical standpoint. But that was, you know, uh, Brooklyn had a ton of ball handlers and maybe not so many defenders. And so uh, Detroit was going to need shot creators. And so that, that seemed like a very natural uh, swap at a certain point, but it seems like Detroit is very in on him being, like a, a primary creator and he's, he's done okay at it. I still don't think that's what he's like on a high level team. I don't think that's what he's best at. So do you basically think he he's best at what he was doing with Denver on a high level team? Yeah, I think something along those lines. I think he he's probably shown he's got a little more with the ball in his hands. And I think the big, the biggest thing is that, you know, for a couple of years, he'd made a decent percentage of his, of his jumpers uh, and then kind of really starting in the playoffs and now certainly in this more primary role, uh, any sort of hesitation about taking them has, has gone away. And that's especially for kind of a, a more off ball kind of three and D ish or a secondary player, just the, the, the willingness to, you know, shoot it when you're open every time. Um, yeah. Can be a pretty big, you know, pretty big step forward. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, you mentioned Karis hope all as well with him. That whole trade was just, incredible how that came together what were your initial thoughts with all with all those teams um it's easy to like for three teams and then you you even though they got the best player you there is some like how does this work for brooklyn yep um you know they they have got i don't think we've ever seen a team that with this sort of collection of isolation scoring talents yeah um and there's nothing wrong with that it's just they there's some other things they lack and they don't have the means to go and get it 
Yeah, I mean, what? I mean, there's depth, there's rim protection, and there's chemistry. Those are the three big concerns I see. Obviously, as an offensive team, they could be all time, you know. Yeah, and it's and 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 that is going to come down as much to the willingness of, uh, like KD has always shown a willingness to kind of play off the ball and 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 use kind of off ball movement to create shots for himself. Um, I think both Kyrie and Harden have the skill set to do so, but especially like in Kyrie's case after LeBron left Cleveland and, and, you know, Harden obviously over the last, you know, half decade in Houston, uh, neither of them have really shown much willingness to play that way. Um, now um, I think I, I was listening to, to Daniel LaRue's podcast and he had, he had so, uh, so high on and she had a, a really good point, which was, you know, the initial period where, okay, we chose this. So we're all going to like work together it's going to work for a little bit, but then what happens, you know, when you get a little, you know, you hit a bump or you kind of forget that you all chose that. And then it's like, no, I want to play this way. Yeah. I know we, we agreed that we're going to play that way, but I I still want to play this way. And that's, you know, there's, there's going to be moments where that happens and how do they work that out? Yeah. I think it's interesting. I mean, I agree. They don't, they're not willing off the ball. Kyrie and Harden, but I think Kyrie is, has a better skill set off ball than Harden does. And if I just had them in a room and they're like, and I would love to hear your thoughts on this. If you had them three in a room and you were working for the Nets, what would you ask them to do? I think I would have Harden with the basketball because Kyrie to me is more skilled off the ball than Harden. Also Harden is just, I mean, he's had like what, eight, how many years has he been with Houston? I mean, the muscle memory is just embedded in him to almost not even be engaged when he doesn't have the basketball. Yeah. And, and just, you know, from a, a, a physicality standpoint, I think that that Kyrie is is better suited to do a lot of coming off screens. I don't like. When was the last time Harden came off a pin down? That's right. That's I mean, and, and Kyrie is skilled like yeah. off curls, off DHOs. Yeah, and you know, there, Harden's probably more if if you're using him off ball, he's more like the guy who who you swing to like in the slot on second side action. And then he, you know, either runs a secondary pick and roll or, or takes a spot up three or drives a closeout. I don't think he's a guy you yeah. necessarily engage a lot in sort of off ball movement type stuff. Yeah. I don't remember him and I'm probably wrong. I would have to like look at synergy or something like him coming off curls. Like we see Durant coming off, yeah. you know, he, he comes off fades and curls and I've seen Kyrie a bunch of times coming off curls and DHOs. I never really, like, I can't remember it with Harden, you know? No, they just, I mean, I mean, Houston, especially the last couple of years, you know, Houston didn't have any movement on offense anyway. So there's nobody yeah. in Houston who's coming off, who's coming off curls. So, so yeah, I think that's um, the, the really interesting thing. And this is something I've just kind of been diving into is uh, what happens at the end of close games. Yeah. Um, you know, there's no one has a huge sample size of kind of hero shots, um, most players tend to be very clustered around league average on, you know, you can define it any different way, but like, I'm just shots to tie or take the lead in the last 30 seconds. Uh, the league as a whole shoots low thirties on those. And most players, as they get increasing number of attempts tend to be, get dragged right down to that right around 32% ish. It's just, it's a really hard situation to be in. Uh, Kyrie is one of the guys, one of the, the, and he hasn't, Again, he hasn't taken a ton of them. He's he's uh, off the top of my head. I don't remember how many for his career, but it's in the 60s, I think. Um, he's hit 
in the kind of 47 percent of his so he's been really good in those spots wow um Harden is actually for as much as as ball dominant as he is he's a guy who actually has not taken a big share of his team shots in those situations really yeah despite wait so, him being the so most set, ball dominant. so Seth, what is the set number for this for this stat is it like a certain amount of time uh, so I'm, I, I was looking over the last uh, this this version. I was looking over like the last five years, basically since LeBron uh, okay uh, left Cleveland. So they were all kind of the guy on their team, right. and I was looking at kind of who you know who took the highest percentage of their team shots while they were on the floor in that situation. And KD and Kat Kyrie do it a bunch, um, both up around uh, you know uh, forty five or fifty percent of the shots they, they, they take the Harden only takes about a third of his team shot has only taken about a third of his team shots when the in, game is on the line set when the game yeah. is on. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, and I don't, and I wonder how much of that is because Houston has played, you know, ISO James so much that they still do that. And the other guys are, are just, you know, he's used to making the play where if there's help, he, he, you know, kicks it to somebody else for the shot. Whereas other people are, you know, they get the ball in that spot. And it's like, I am shooting here. <laughs> right. Right. So I, so I don't know, like, I don't know if it's, you know, we've seen in the playoffs, he gets a little fatigued at the end of games maybe, or he just, their system allowed him to kick out more or he just doesn't, you know, he doesn't feel it in those spots. I don't know. So the guy you would most expect to want the ball in his hands is actually the guy who's, you know, taking those shots the least. Yeah, that's interesting. I would say that not to make excuses for James, he might have been just tired, like yeah. in some of those situations. And also, um, from my perspective, I would say I would want Kevin Durant with the ball because of this. And this is a really simple way of looking at it, Seth. <laughs> um, if I'm guarding all three of them, I think I have the least chance on getting a stop against KD, right? I you you would think that, but he but he settles. <laughs> Yeah, the thing is, though, like, even if you double, he could shoot right over, you know? Yeah, he, he can shoot right over, but it's still a tough shot. Like, I think Kyrie is actually, like, maybe a little bit, and this, this is borne out by, like, the, the, by, you know, the accuracy. It's not a, it's not a huge sample size, but Kyrie has made a higher proportion of those shots than, uh, than, than Durant has. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, do they still have wiggle room to make moves for another rim protector? I was thinking Norvell Pell or a bunch <laughs> of guys or a bunch of guys who are on the Cavs, you know, can, yeah. can, they make, can they make a move? Oh, they have, I mean, they have some, like they're, they're probably going to get an injury exception for Dinwiddie. Um, the, they, uh, I think they have, have kind of the, the mini, the, the, the taxpayer MLE still to use. Um, there's, I mean, there's some, there's some guys out there. I think who it's going to be. I don't know whether they actually want to add more size or if they want to go, you know, get more of like the Jeff green type players to, to almost, you know, with, with KD, you have a little bit of rim protection there. So right. you kind of go the kind of the medium ball, not really small ball, but you've got some, you've got some bigger guys out there, but play very perimeter style. Yeah. Seth, you got, I know you're interested in this lineup that could be, you know, their big three, Joe Harris and Jeff Green. Come on, that's that's an interesting lineup, right? <laughs> the fascinating lineup would be if Dinwiddie was healthy. Yeah. Like yeah, that is true. I'm just for the like think of the matchups that Dinwiddie would have on him. <laughs> like uh, OKC had this a little last year where the two best perimeter defenders were guarding Chris Paul and Shea all the time. 
And part of why Dennis Schroeder had a really good year is he drew the third best defender basically all the time. And he's not, he's not a bad player, but you're basically like, okay, every game you have a mismatch because the good defenders are guarding these other two guys. And, you know, like Brooklyn's going to have that on steroids a little bit because, you know, um, no disrespect to Dennis Schroeder, but uh, James Harden and Kyrie Irving are not Dennis Schroeder. Right. Um, and then, and then you, if you'd have gone even one, one spot further with that, and then Dinwiddie is being guarded by the fourth best perimeter defender the other team has. And that's just, that's like, so that's lunch meat. My concern is that KD could be spread thin when it comes to defense. I mean, obviously he's looked great on the offensive side of the ball to play. And he played at such a high level when he was with the Warriors on defense to get to that level after his injury will be really tough. Obviously, he looks – I think he looks 100%. I'd also like to hear your thoughts on if you think he looks actually 100% or it's more like 95. I'm, I'm glad you brought up the defense because this is something I was, I was thinking of today is he has looked really good offensively. Um, something I've been saying the whole time is for them to be a real championship contender, they need him to be, you know, top five player. Not yeah. top fifth, not, not like all-star top 15 player, top five player. And now they need him to be top five player in a more specific way because they need, they need that defense. And that's the, that's the part that's hardest for us to see, you know, hardest for us to judge, you know, at at this point in the season and will be for most of the season. So there's a, that's just a big, that's going to be a big, I don't know, basically until we get to the playoffs, I think Um, we just, cause I do, I do agree with you. I think that they, they are, aren't going to use him a lot the way they would defensively in the playoffs now, because they don't want right. to you know, run him down in, you know, January, February, March. Yeah. Seth, overall, are you more optimistic or pessimistic? Cause I feel like most people, most media is pessimistic about how this will end up. What are your thoughts just in general? Will it work? Will it work is the question, Seth. Will it work? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So will it work? Um, it, it can work. It's, it's, will it, who knows? I mean, they, they, first of all, they need some breaks. Like, um, you know, the, obviously Kyrie's is at this point supposed to be back in the lineup tomorrow, Monday. Um, so that, that kind of situation. And, you know, you don't, you don't want to speculate as to what's going on there. So I won't, but you know, that's, that has been an issue. And since it has been an issue, you, it's, more likely that it's an issue than if it hadn't um you know obviously the health of of like they they cannot readily afford an injury to either those two guys or really joe harris or or i mean i don't i don't know if deandre is going to be i would highly doubt he's going to be a closer for them on the regular but just because there's no ready replacement like so that's that's like already five guys that they really can't afford to you know be without. So that's a little bit of luck there. And then, you know, it coming together offensively for them to be like the top three offense in the league, uh, and getting just enough defense. Yeah. Um, like, can that happen in the East? Does that put them in the conversation with, you know, the Milwaukee's, the Phillies? Um, those would probably be the other two Eastern Conference teams. I'd be mo- I'm I'm most sure are gonna be really good right now. Um, Boston, I still have a few questions about, but like that's that's another team that could be there. Um, 
you know, Indi- in Indiana, like, it, uh, like again, if, if, if Karras can get back on the court and healthy, like that's, that's a, that's a lot of pr- really good teams that you got to get through. And that's yeah. before you even get to, you know, you know, the LA teams or, or Denver or something like that coming out of the West. So, I mean, so I guess I'm saying it depends on what you mean by will it work? Exactly. Like, what yeah. does work? You know, okay, is, well, it, is, I, is, 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 is conference finals it working? I would say conference finals is working and at least getting one championship in the window that they have. I would say that's working. In my opinion. Uh, no, I think, I mean, yeah. I mean, given, given the, the size of the bet they made, yeah, like, it is, it is championship or bust. Well, no, it's not, it's not champion. It's, it's championship or bust or championship and bust. Cause like the bust is coming. That they, That's, that's sort of assured, you know, five years down the road. But uh, yeah, they're be- Yeah, I mean, they're putting everything into now. Yeah, and that's and that's fine. I think I, you know, it's, um, I think there's a lot of teams over the years that have hamstrung themselves by not doing that. Um, yeah, but you know, it's and it, you know, it help. It does help when you get you know a bunch of MVP level players, um, kind of at a certain point in their career where you know there's there's a pretty hard sunset on it. Yeah. Well, I guess Houston's going the opposite way, right? I mean, I don't have the quote verbatim, verbatim, but Raphael Stone says draft picks are the best currency. Do you believe that to be true? Uh, they're a pretty good currency. Um, I, think it, <laughs> I think I think currency is the best currency, but that's that. Uh, <laughs> um, right. <laughs> uh, but you know, that, there's there's a, there's a point to be made there, though, that that money is more valuable some places than other places. I mean, like. Money in LA is is worth, uh, you know, yeah. We, we've seen we've we've seen what you can do with free agency dollars in Los Angeles. Where like where is Houston on that scale? I don't know. Um, they're probably like Houston's probably not at the bottom of of where like dollars are, but you yeah, you with a lot of picks, you do have a lot of flexibility to do some stuff. Um, I actually think they I think they they could very easily be a playoff team this year. I think they're, they're, they're going to be frisky for the rest of the season. I think they're going to be, I think they're going to play a, a, an interesting style. I think John Walls look good. I think Christian Wood has looked great. Yep. Um, I think, I, I don't think they're going to lack for motivation. Um, <laughs> That's true. That's a good point. That's yeah, a good point. I mean, there's yeah. like, yeah. You know, Things this guy, were said. Like, it's it's yeah yeah it's it's this guy didn't think we were good enough thing yeah I mean, that could light a fire under anybody yeah you know? no and and you know I I like think Wall and 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 Boogie Cousins were I think justifiably pretty peeved in their uh, in their their quotes to the media after he left and and I have to imagine that uh, people up and down there like I, I you know I would I would be interested in PJ Tucker's unvarnished thoughts. It's like all the dirty work I did for you for who knows how long. And that's what you're going to give me. All yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, a hundred percent. I mean, I, I, I thought Christian Wood would take a leap this year. I mean, he's playing pretty well. Um, Kobe White was my other guy. So yeah, man, it's good to see those guys doing well. You know, you want to talk about a guy doing make, making a leap the the guy we like the, probably not getting as much publicity because talk to me, Seth. Out of sight, out of mind. It's, it's Shea Gilders Alexander. Yeah, man, they're not even yes. able to tank, huh? They can't even tank. Yeah. Well, I mean, part <laughs> like, you know, part of that is 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 uh 
they're uh it, it seems like they they perhaps have figured something out or have had are on a nice run of uh, player development down there yeah lou dort can't shoot well you know okay how about now um it's like yeah, yeah I, right you know, right it's it, i mean and just to change again we talked a little bit about jeremy grant just the difference between he doesn't even have to you know he doesn't have to be a 40 percent shooter he has, if he's a 35 percent shooter who shoots like that's it that's just a a different player they have than a guy who you can just, you know, not guard. That's interesting. That's just a, a massively better player. You know, what's interesting, Seth, that's how I look at Cade Cunningham. If he's a 35% shooter that just shoots, he's going to be super elite. I think. Yeah. Well, he's going to, I mean, he's going to have the ball in his hands so much that, that it kind of, it, I, I'm, I, I'm not totally sure how it matters. I mean, he he's, and he's big enough that, that he can, Yeah. you know, a guy like, you know, for, for talking like, Shreve Cooper can't or won't shoot. That's the bigger problem than Kate Cunningham. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think when you get to the playoffs, you want your guy to, who has the ball to be able to shoot. Cause I think yeah. it does put you at a disadvantage, yeah. right? Right. Well, I, and, and I mean, I, I, the perfect example of this is Luca actually like, yeah, Luca is not a great shooter. He, I'm not even sure Luca's a good shooter. Like at the NBA level. Well, well, that that's scary. He, that's scary yeah. if he gets there, right, Seth? Yeah, but he's a very willing shooter, and that yeah. opens up so much else. Yeah, that is true. I mean, I believe Cade is going to be elite. I mean, I, I mean, really think so. Yeah, yeah. I've I've been really impressed by what I've seen this year. The, the I mean, the guy who's the guy who's who's turned my head this year has been Lamelo. I was skeptical. Yeah, yeah, I know, and um. You know, I was super high on Tyrese going in. I didn't think he was getting his just due, so it's good to see him going by. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was, I, I am, I, I, I was very, I was pretty confident in in in, Ty, in Halliburton being good. I, I didn't, um, Lamelo being so effective in in the ways he has been already. Um, as has, I'm, I'm basically like ready to take the L on kind of my skepticism. <laughs> what do you say? I was, so, so what are you seeing that you didn't think you would see? Well, I mean, one of the reasons that I, that I was, that I, I love Lonzo as a prospect is he is his willingness to get off the ball. Okay. Like if there's a pass to be made, like, you know, it was all, with him at UCLA, they had a lot of talent, but it was still like a guy of his, you, you know, you're used to that guy pounding the ball. Right. Right, but he was he was almost like a like a you know a midfielder in soccer where yeah I'll give it up I'll get it back I'll make the next pass I'll get it back um, and and we'll let everyone play that way and offensively he's Lamelo's done a lot more of that than than I like you know I thought it was going to be a lot of dribble 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 look at me look at me look at me uh, and it hasn't been uh, and on top of that like he is he's not strong enough to be super impactful defensively yet but he is active and his, his feel and anticipation is incredible. Um, they, they, uh, the other, the other day they, they played uh, Toronto back to back over the, over the weekend in the first game, they're down like 10 with three minutes left or something like that. And he made like just five consecutive, like, like Holy shit plays on both sides of the ball. And it was everything. It was like, a read off of a pick and roll to get a wide open corner to three, a steal and a dunk, a, uh, you know, a, a reading a tip ball and, and, and like diving and saving it from out of bounds that, that, you know, he started running like before the ball even got tipped almost just, just the different, like the 
turning that ability to read the game into, into, into basketball plays. I mean, that's, right. you know, that, that, that's the kind of stuff that gets me going. So I'm, so I, I, you know, apologize for my skepticism. I, yeah. In my defense, I still thought he should have been the top pick. I just didn't like know how good he was going to be. And I think he's going to be pretty good. Now. So you've been impressed by this rookie class as a whole, I would assume, right? Um, you know, there's been, I think Edwards has had some moments. Wiseman is going to, is going to, you know, be an NBA player, like how, where he ends up. I don't know. Obviously Halliburton is going to be a really good, you know, a, a good player. I don't know if, I don't he, know how much. He already is like, Seth, right? Yeah. I yeah. mean, for a long, but he's going to, for a long time. I don't know how much, like, like if there's a lot of like star there, but like very kind of high level glue guy role player, you know, there's been, and then we, I think we knew this about the, the draft that, that we were like wondering where, who the stars were, but knew that there was going to be a lot of guys who could play roles. I mean, you got, you know, in, in Memphis, you got Desmond Bain and Xavier Tillman, you know, you, you, um, uh, Emmanuel quickly has, has looked pretty good for, for New York. Um, Maxie, so Maxie yeah. looks good. Have, Patrick Williams is interesting. He is a, he is a, big dude like i had the game on for a little bit today and they were lined up on the free throw line and he was just like noticeably just much bigger than both lowry and uh wendell carter uh yeah and it just he's a he's a he's a does it hasn't quite turned it into into stuff yet but there's a lot there I, he shows flashes off yeah. the dribble with his balance where he can yeah. get it to his jump shot real easily like it it I know that we always compare these type of guys like the Jimmy Butlers and Kawhi as a ceiling, which is not really fair because that doesn't really happen too often. But the way he gets into his shot easily and with balance and even even though it's mid-range, it's impressive when you just see the flashes, you know? I have I have a hard time seeing him as a guy who really ends up on the perimeter full-time. I think, I mean, as as big as he is already, like that's a guy who's a, who's a four or fall, small ball five, I think. And doesn't really? mean he can't doesn't mean he can't face up, but I but I just I'm, I'm not sure he's gonna be light enough on his feet to 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 be a full time perimeter guy. So maybe he ends up more in like a you know maybe slightly different style, probably more athletic, but a, like a Paul Millsap kind of kind of game. Seth, we could we could end with this. I want to ask you this, Seth. Um, I know you've done talks on this, and I like to hear your thoughts on the future. Uh, the biggest myth of the three-point revolution, and what do you think is the next revolution, Seth? Uh, the biggest myth of the three-point revolution is still that the mid-range shot went anywhere. Um, the, 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 the single biggest myth is, so, you know, if more three-pointers means there's less shots from somewhere. There are fewer mid-range shots, but which mid-range shots are gone? It's a catch-and-shoot mid-range shot. It's not... It's not, you know, it's not Michael Jordan, you know, operating out of the pinch post and shooting a fadeaway or facing a guy up and shooting a pull up. Stars are tilt taking those shots. The, the, the one that's gone away is today's version of Horace Grant is not shooting a baseline 17 footer. You're shooting a corner of three. Right. And so that's, you know, that's the, that's, that's the, that's what the change is. And that's, and that, that induces a lot of kind of strategic changes in the game because, you know, you play defense a certain way. And if the worst, if the worst thing that happens and the, they break you down, you know, the other team's power forward shoots a baseline 17 footer. It's like, okay, that's, that's the worst thing that can happen. We'll live with that. If all of a sudden that, that shot is worth an extra point, then your, your defensive strategy that gives that shot up, it doesn't make any sense. 
So a lot of what we've seen has just kind of been an outgrowth of, of that. Um, as far as what's next, um, defense still hasn't caught up to the three-pointer. And um, who was it? Someone, someone uh, had a really good quote, and I forget who it was. Um, I think it might have been Sindarius Thornwell had a really good quote about them needing to get better at recognizing when like the the primary defender had a had a dribble had a ball handler or a driver contained and not helping in those spots and i think that's that broadly speaking that's kind of it there's a lot of nba offenses that kind of know what the the help and recover rules that defenses play are going to be and so they do they, you, you know you see actions that aren't really designed to get a shot so much as they are to induce that reaction you know it's kind of like you you know you uh like a like a pavlov's dog kind of thing you 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 know press a button and a treat comes out kind of thing we run this action and the guy like sprints off the weak side corner and then we throw a skip pass and 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 now we're either shooting a three or attacking a closeout kind of thing yeah Um, i I mean i guess it's a threat of a layup right pretty much yeah but uh, but there's like you know there's you see spots where you know the Say you're you know you're playing against the 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 Pacers, and T.J. McConnell's in the game. He he comes like he he comes off a of pick and roll going to his left, and has kind of got a guy in his hip. What's he gonna do there? Like if T.J. McConnell is gonna you know beat you shooting a you know up and under layup or a you know fade away from the baseline or something like that, good for him. You much like you're gonna. Are you really gonna like come off Miles Turner and give Miles Turner a, like a wide open three? Because T.J. McConnell is gonna, you know, beat you, you know, from you know, score a contested layup or something like that. That's interesting, Seth. I think a lot of that is just muscle memory, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is that is and and offenses are are just designed in a way to you get at that muscle memory. So that's the next. That's the defensive revolution that I think is coming next. Someone's gonna figure out how to break that and have guys figure out. I need to help now. I need to stay home now a little bit better. I, I think, you know, I think LeBron is a revolutionary thinker in on defense. I think he's thinking about stuff like that more than other players. Could be. Yeah. I, I think that's a lot of, of what the teams, you know, you know, messing around with these switching defenses, these yeah. kind of semi zones. Um, I think there's probably a lot to be done with kind of like a, remember the old like UNLV zone, like the, the, right. the, like the matchup zone kind of thing. There's a lot to be done where you're like, in in a in a zone defense for like you know until 10 seconds left in a possession and now it's man and just and, and now the offense has to go one-on-one and and that's a tough spot to be or something like that i i think that again it's going to be something defensively to kind of counteract kind of the the turbo charge that that that, that you know spacing the floor as much as every every team does now uh has, has given offenses yeah, that's interesting. Coach Thorpe was on my show um, from True Hoop, and he was yeah, tra- yeah, he was talking about how basically the zone was working not because NBA teams don't have the talent to play against the zone. It was just a new look, you know. It's it's a new look, and twenty four seconds isn't a lot of time if you're trying to figure something out on the fly. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Seth, man, great stuff, man. Friend of the yeah. show, always welcome back. Um, please let us know where we could um find you on social media and everywhere else. Uh, you find me on Twitter at Seth Partnow and uh, writing um, various times at the Athletic. I have my uh, my weekly column goes up on Tuesdays and and uh, um, 
other times during the week as as events move me. Um, this week, I'm I'm going to be writing a lot about uh, about kind of the stuff we a lot of the stuff we talked about with respect to Brooklyn in terms of of how guys' roles can change when you you know bring together or take apart you know high usage players. Interesting, and you're writing a book as well, right? Yeah, no, that's uh, the, making good progress, and that hopefully start of next season. Um, getting it, getting the manuscript done, kind of uh, by about the halfway port part of this season, and and hopefully it, uh, hopefully get it get it out uh, in the fall. I can't wait to check that out, Seth. You're always welcome back on the show. Uh, talk soon. Yeah, thanks for having me again. Anytime. Thank you for tuning in, and big shouts to Seth for joining in on this episode of Combos Court. Combo Nation, punch down on that subscribe button if you haven't already also rate and review the show it helps combos court tremendously would greatly appreciate it tell a friend to tell a friend about combos court podcast also if you have instagram take a screenshot of this episode post it on your ig stories tag me at one two combo that's o-n-e t-w-o-c-o-m-b-o i'll repost it and be on the lookout for episode two three four Combo out.